Welcome to Victory Christian Center. You're about to hear Pastor Vanessa Schlugel as she brings a message on Sunday service. Praise the Lord. And so, who has authority in the earth? Who has authority in the earth? That's the title of this message. We began our six-week series on the authority of the believer last week. And we opened the series beginning uh, by talking about God. Didn't, did you love that? I, I, I loved acknowledging it, <laughs> that our authority, all authority begins with God. He is the beginning and the end. He's the alpha and the omega. And for us to understand that God is the supreme, ultimate, and final authority. Not only that, so is his word. He has exalted his word above his name. And so for us to understand the very base of our whole message and our whole understanding is that everything begins with God. Everything begins with him. He's just the most amazing God and his word that he's given us, this written word, um, is final authority. Yes, we have prophecy, but Paul says we have a more sure word of prophecy, which is the written word that we can actually build our lives upon. And so knowing who God is, and I'm just going to look through this and so I can launch out, and the authority that he has placed on the word is absolutely it's crucial for us. It's an anchor to your soul. It's an anchor for our soul. When things are happening, if we've got the written word of God and what God has said about ourselves, about our lives, about our families, about our nation, about the earth, then we can anchor our soul on that and the storms can come and the storms can go and we're standing because we're founded on the rock of his word. And so uh, what we did when we were young believers is we were taught with the word of faith to make a quality decision. That was something that was spoken that you now make a quality decision that the word of God is going to be final authority. Not how you feel. Your feelings are not the final authority. Not the circumstances are not the final authority. Not what the news reporters are saying. That is not the final authority. God spoke in Isaiah and he said, whose report are you going to believe? And so for us, we had a song that we used to sing, we shall believe the report of the Lord. And so that is what we, we, we make a quality decision. Even today, I'm inviting you to make a quality decision that this word is the final authority in your life. Not sickness, if sickness is coming against your body. That is not the final authority because Jesus said by his stripes you were healed. That is my authority. That is what I base my life upon. And then everything else has to shift and bow to that word, the word of the Lord. And so um, let's have a look here. And so the Bible teaches, and we're going to have a look and then we're going to unpack this and I'm going to share with you up front what we're going to go into and where we're going this morning. But the Bible talks that you and I have authority. It's just all through the word. But the sad thing about it is many Christians don't understand they have authority. And sadly, even many ministers don't understand this. And so they're leading, leading defeated lives. Thousands of Christians around the globe are, are leading, well, not leading. They're under the circumstances. They're being pushed around by every wind of doctrine that comes in and out of the church. And, and, and Satan's actually having a heyday. And so we need to position ourselves, as I said, in the word of God and what he has said about us. And um, this message on the authority of the believer, it's vital. You can't, you can't live the Christian life in a victorious way unless you understand this. 
It's the bedrock, if you like, in order to, in fact, Paul said in Ephesians 4, he said here that we may grow up in all things into Christ, to the full stature of Christ. Well, if you go have a look at what Jesus did on the earth, that is God's vision that when we get a hold of who we are, that we're going to grow up in all things into Christ. We will grow to the full stature of Jesus Christ. What did he say? The works I do, you shall do also, and greater works than these shall you do, because I go to the Father. I'm wanting to see those greater works manifested in my life. He's promised it. He's said it's supposed to happen. I don't want to leave the planet until I've seen that in my own life personally. I'm not leaving here, God, until I've raised the dead. I want the, no, not just spiritually dead, but physically dead. I've tried many times, a few times. Gone into the, you know, anyway. Praise God. And so, okay, so today let me stay on track here. So we're going to ask and we're going to answer the question, who has authority on the earth? We're going to do that today. And ultimately, like I've said, God's the, God is the ultimate authority. He's the final authority. But over this next two weeks, we're going to see, and I'm going to do a part one, part two. And if you haven't listened to last week's message, I encourage you to do because it's foundational. But so this week, we're going to have a look at that God has delegated authority to Adam. We're also going to look at that, that Adam gave it to Satan, who, was, who usurped the authority. And then we're going to look, and we're just going to finish off by seeing that um, Jesus Christ came to take and to get the authority back for us and then to give it to us, and we'll cover that in more detail next week. We're also going to have a look this morning about the earth lease and understanding that there is a lease on this earth that God has set in place, and we need to understand that understanding, that truth. And if we understand that everything else um, that we see that's going on will make sense. Not only that, we're going to cover it towards the end of the message. I just want to sort of show you where we're going, is that I'm going to talk about that your physical body gives you authority here. And so we're going to unpack that, and we're going to have a, have a whole look at all of those things, and then we'll move on and we'll look at some more detail um, next week. And so uh, everything that I'm sharing is actually what Paul called it's part of the mystery. Have you heard that word, the, the mystery in Christ? When Paul is writing letters to the churches, and he talks about the mystery that was hidden in ages past that is now for our glory. And um, this mystery, they said, if the kings of the earth had known the mystery, they never would have crucified the Lord of glory. Why? Because when they crucified the Lord of glory, he rose from the dead, and he was the first begotten from the dead, and now there's many sons in glory. And so it was a mystery that God had hidden in ages past, but now the Bible says it is revealed to us by his spirit. It is now revealed to us. This is part of the revealing of what God has done all through these ages. Praise the Lord. Has everyone got an outline? All good. Okay, that's good, girl. Thanks. Praise the Lord. And so let's have a look at this. Who has authority on the earth? Who's in charge right now? And I want to begin by, by sharing an experience that I think some of you can relate to, just to, so that we kind of have a look and get on the same pages. Have you ever been to a department store, or you've been to a restaurant, or you've been to a hotel, <clears throat> and you've had a bad experience? Um, you, know, the th you know, things are dirty, the staff isn't serving you, or they're, they're, they're totally unengaged, 
And uh, when you're having an experience like that, I mean, Stefan and I have been over the years and stayed in a number of hotels. Some of them have been five-star hotels, and my goodness me, you walk in and there's an experience that you can see. There's ownership, there's management, everything is in its place. And we love that because this is an industry that we came out of. Uh, but there's been places that we've gone to in the world and we've walked in to the hotel and you can see on, on, in the building that once upon a time it was a five-star, ten-star hotel, whatever it was. But you can see it's now run down. You can see the paint workers just painting over junk. I mean, it's yeah, some of the places we've been to, it's just, my goodness me. And, and what's the first thing you do when you have a bad experience in the department store or restaurant? You go, who's in charge? Where's the manager? Who, where's the manager? <laughs> you know, can I speak to somebody that's responsible for what's going on here? And you, and you, you, you look for the person in charge. Why? Because they are responsible to keep the place in a, in a, in a five-star, ten-star state. And so when we have a look at that story, we can see in the same way. You have a look at creation right now. If you have a look at the earth, do you want to know who's in charge? Well, you look at creation and you look at the magnificent backdrops of the landscape. And for me, I mean, I look at his creation and I can see one t one t at one time she was a ten-star. She was off the charts. Absolutely magnificent. But what's happened... You can see that this thing's gone down in the earth, there's blood being spilled, and the earth's crying out because of the blood in the ground. You can see the decimation of governments and peoples and brokenness all around you. Um, and so the, the, the question we ask, well, well, who's in charge? God, if this is your earth, why have you allowed this to happen? Why aren't you doing something? Why aren't you judging the wickedness that's going on? There's hundreds of thousands of people dying innocently. And so people ask these questions, who's in charge? And if there is a God, then why isn't he doing something? That's what my mother would say. I don't believe in God, Vanessa. Look at it. I mean, she came out of the Second World War and saw the decimation. She was an ambulance driver. And seeing, you know, men's legs blown off, all that kind of stuff. Where is God in all of this? This is unjust. And so many people have walked away from God because they think, well, he's the higher being. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof. Everything in it is his. Why isn't he taking charge and taking responsibility? And so who's in charge? Doesn't somebody, doesn't, won't somebody rise up and do something about it? And so let's have a look. We've said that, that the earth is the Lord's. But we also saw that last week, and I preached on it, and I said that Psalm 15 says uh, that the heavens, even the heavens, are the highest heavens of the Lord's. But the earth he has given to the sons of men. And so who's in charge? God's the ultimate authority. God is the ultimate owner of the earth. But he has given the earth to the sons of men. And so we're going to have a look at that. And so my question is, well, can, the, can man handle it? <laughs> you know? I mean, look at the mess. Can we actually handle the responsibility of looking after this planet and ruling it as God rules heaven? Like he said, pray this way, Jesus said, that your kingdom come on the earth as it is in heaven. How do we pray, Jesus? What is your will? Well, my will is that it happens on earth as it is in heaven. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no strife in heaven. There's joy, there's no depression, there's no demon spirits operating in heaven. They can't enter there now. The heavenly, the heavenly places is washed by the blood of the Lamb. And so we have a possibility to be able to operate and to be able to manage the planet for God in a way that it looks like heaven on earth. And so was man qualified? Let's have a look. God created, 
you to have authority and to rule the earth. Let's have a look at Genesis. And I've preached this, but I want to have a look at it and, and do a little bit of teaching here. So let's read this in Genesis chapter 128. And God said, let us, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his own image and the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And then he blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air and everything that moves on the face of the waters, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so what did God do here? You can see two words here, that God created man and he made man. Now those are two different words there. What did he do? God made them in his image and likeness. When God made man, he made man from the dust of the ground. He made his body. And when he created him, out of nothing, out of his spirit, he breathed into them the spirit of life, and man became a living being. And so we are three-part beings made in the image of God and likeness. Our body is from the dust of the ground, which gives you authority in this earth. Your body, your physical body, and we'll look at that at the, at, towards the end, your physical body gives you authority on the earth. And then God breathed into us the spirit of life, and we became a life-giving spirit. You see, animals are not made in the same class as us. Animals are a soul, and they're a body. They have a personality, a mind, a will, emotions, but they don't have a spirit. We are unique in that God has breathed into us himself. God is spirit, and he's breathed into us himself. And so let's have a look here. It says that God gave us dominion over all the earth, over every living thing. And so we are capable, we have it in our DNA, in our spiritual DNA, we have it in us to rule and to manage the earth as God rules and manages heaven. Now, if we have a look at the book of, of, of Psalms 8, and we can just read that and have a look, God gives us more detail on what that creation looks like. And it's the most amazing psalm. If you read it, it sort of says, Oh, my Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. He goes on to say that who has set your glory above the heavens and out of the mouth of babes and sucklings you have ordained strength or praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Let me say that if you're a babe in Christ or you've just got born again, God says he's put something in your mouth to silence the foe and the avenger. You don't have to grow up. You just put God's word in your mouth and you can silence any devil that would dare to come against you. God made that so. We just need to put his word in our mouth. And then this being, he's magnifying God for his awesome creation. And then he goes on to say, When I behold the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, he asks the question, What is man that you are mindful of him or that your mind is full of him and the son of man that you would visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor. You've put all things under his feet. And then it goes on, all, you know, all things under his feet. And then he goes, oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Now, if you have a look at verse 4, it says, what is man? What is this creature? I mean, this is a being that has seen God recreate the earth. He's seen the majesty of the stars, the heavens, everything. 
And then God comes in and forms man from the dust of the ground and then breathes into him. And then God starts visiting this being in the cool of the day. And so this angelic being, whoever's wrote this, I mean, Paul, I mean, David wrote it, but he was under the unction of the Spirit of God to write this. And this, this being says, God, when I see all of this, the firmament, everything, and then what is this man that your mind is filled with him? You've set him over the work of your hands. It says you've crowned him. In fact, let's have a look here. It says you have, it says, what is man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you visit him? Verse 5, for you have made him a little lower than the angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor. Now, people don't like this because they say, don't touch the glory of God. No, God crowned us in glory and honor. And he put all things under our feet. It says, this, this verse is very interesting in verse 5, that you've made him a, sh- you've made him a little lower than the angels. And I, I shared with it last week with you. That word um, that they've used there, angels, is not the word for angels. It's the word Elohim. And it's the word that you use for creator God or for the Trinity. And so we would read that, what is man that you're mindful of him or the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a shade lower than yourself. You have made him a shade lower than yourself. Then you crowned him with your glory and your honor, and you put all things under his feet. And he goes, oh God, our Lord, how majestic is your name. And And, and we've got to look at this because this is God's word. And this is God's plan. And when that word Elohim was used, the translators put in there angels because they couldn't handle the thought that God had made us like himself to rule like God. And so they said, well, angels, okay, we'll we'll, we'll use that word instead. But no, the word is Elohim, the Hebrew word Elohim. Now look at that. It says here in verse 5 that you've crowned him. This is who you are. This is who we are. God says, I've crowned you. What does that word crown mean? It means the topmost part. It means the summit, the head, monarchy. It means kingship, and it represents power and authority. And so what did God do? He said, he put you at the topmost part, you and I. We are the topmost part of his creation. We are his masterpiece. That's what Ephesians says. For you are God's masterpiece, created again in Christ Jesus for good works, which God ordained that you should walk in. It's repeating it in the New Testament. You're a masterpiece of God, his handiwork, the top post part of your creation. Are you out there? Are you getting excited by that? You're just looking at it. (laughs) You see, angels, as powerful as they are and as magnificent as they are, they are not made in the same class as us. You you read about the angels that turned up on the scene in the Old Testament in the the book of Acts. My word. But they are not made in the the God class of being. Hebrews says, are they not? they, They are ministering spirits. They are sent forth to minister to us who are heirs of salvation. They listen to the voice of God's word and then they are as servants will go and they will help to confirm that word on the earth. And so they are there to serve us. They are, they are, and it sounds, oh my gosh. But that is how God set it up. That they're waiting for words. 
And when your word, God word, comes out of your mouth, they take that word and then that activates them to go and bring that word to pass on your behalf. Ministering spirits in the book of um, Hebrews, I think, chapter 1, verse 14. Are they not ministering spirits sent forth? And so as magnificent as they are, God said, I've made you the crown of my creation. That's amazing. This is the mystery that was hidden in times past that God is revealing to the church right now for the last 2,000 years. Wake up, church, and take your place in the earth. The mess that we're seeing, it's not the people that aren't saved. It's not God's fault. It's not the angels. We are the church of the living God. We are the voice of God in the earth. We are responsible for what is going on in the earth right now. And we need to rise up and take our authority, as God has said. And so God gave us dominion. Let's have a look at verse 6 in Psalms. It says here, You made him to have dominion over the work of your hands. You put all things under his feet. God made us to have dominion. You're supposed to be ruling. You and I are supposed to be ruling in life by one Christ Jesus. We're not... We're not designed to be under the circumstances. We do not do well under things. God says, I'm in the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. That was Old Testament as part of the blessing. And so again, um, Genesis 1.26, he gave them to have dominion over all the earth, over all of the earth. And so let's have a look and let's just talk for a minute about all of the earth. God placed us in the garden and he intended for us to rule the earth as he rules heaven. That was just how it was. God coming in the cool of the day, give him counsel, talk about things, how's things going? And then God would leave and go, go to live on his planet, heaven, is in the sides of the north, the Bible says, and then he can come down to earth and visit us. Isn't that amazing? You see, he travels at the speed of thought. He just thinks and then he's there. He's not in time. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And so let's have a look. So man, man's dominion that God had given us was for six days. And it's what Bible scholars call the earth lease. And if you read up in uh, Dake's study Bible, you can have a look. Dake's has un um, sort of unpacked that incredibly well. And he's got lots of types and shadows that you, can th that you can get into. And that's a Bible college session to unpack all of that. But to say that God created the earth in six days. He created man on the sixth day. And then on the seventh day, he said, I'm going to rest. And the Bible says that a day in a thousand years is the same to the Lord. And so we have a look at a, uh, that God has given men 6,000 years as a lease on the earth. And then he is going to come back and he is going to return and he is going to set up the millennial reign for a period of, of 1,000 years. The rest, the earth will rest under his leadership as the king of kings and kings will come and they will bring their glory to him in that thousand year reign. But in that period right now that we are in, God has given us a 6,000 year lease on the earth. And somebody may say, well, Vanessa, where's scripture for that? That sounds really good. Where's the scripture? I'm glad you asked. 
We're going to have a look at that in just a moment. But let me just give you an understanding of what an earth lease looks like or what a lease looks like um, uh, in the earth right now. I mean, Peter is our business manager in our church, and he's done an amazing job for the last 20 years at managing our business and the business side of the church. And uh, we have this building here. We own this building completely. We bought the building next door, and it was under a, a loan situation. And so we had leased out different parts of the building and the front shops. Um, and we leased out these buildings. And we normally did that on a six-year period. It was either a two-by-two-by-two two two or it was a three-by-three. Three. Now, just say, and, and, and a number of years ago, we had done that. I mean, that building has since paid off. We don't need anybody in those buildings now except God's work. And so... Um, and so we had, a, we had a lease, I believe it was. It was a, a three-by-three lease. Now, just what say, we've got the keys to our property. We own them. They're our properties. We own both of them. But we have leased out one of these properties for six years. Now, what just say, just say halfway through the lease, the three years, we take the keys and we go into the property and we start shifting things around and just starting to say, well, we want to take over this now. We want to do this here. And we're not happy with what you're doing here. We're going to swap things around. Well, the person that is holding that lease would look at us and say, You're out, you, you, can't, you can't do that. I have a lease. Well, no, the property belongs to us. We now want to do work in here. We want to have our youth centre in here. And, and the guy's going to hold up a piece of paper and he's going to say, I've got, actually got a, a, a lease on this land, on this property, on this building that says that I can operate and I'm the authority on this property until the six years is up. And then once it's up, you can come back in with your key and do whatever you like. Now, that's an, that, 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 that operates in New Zealand right now. Government will actually totally stand behind a lease that's in place. And whether you're the owner of the property or not, you don't have any right to go, just come and go as you please and to operate in that property. It belongs. These people have got a written lease. And so this is this, exactly the same thing that God has set in place on the earth the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But it says that he has given the earth to the sons of man. Not indefinitely. It's for a period of time. And while that earth lease is in place, God, as it were, is on the outside. And he is, he's only able to come in and operate in the earth when somebody that has a lease or one of the owners of their lease invites him to come on in. Now, we have to understand that. Why isn't God doing something? Have you invited him to come on in? Have you invited him? Now, let's have a look here. Because this, my story about our properties here is very similar to the lease that God has set up. And during the time that man has got this lease, God, it's, it's a legal document. It's ratified in the courts of heaven. And if God overrides his lease... He would actually be breaking his own law and the accuser could accuse him before the heavenlies to say, you are not doing what's right. And so God has to work within the system and the lease that he has set up. Now, Jesus referred to this lease and we're going to take time to read it because it's just absolutely amazing when we understand this. Uh, he referred to it in both Mark chapter 12 as well as Mark chapter 13. And uh, let's just read this here. Mark chapter 12, the first one, it says here, a man planted a vineyard, and he built a wall around it, which is a security, and he dug a pit for pressing out the grapevine, the grape juice, and built 
a lookout tower. Again, those words are amazing if you unpack it. There's lookout towers means you're supposed to watch. And so there's a vineyard planted. He's built a wall to protect it. And then he's also built a watchtower to protect it. Then it says here, then he leased, this is Jesus speaking, then he leased the vineyard to tenant farmers and he moved to another country. At the time of the grape harvest, he sent one of his servants to collect his share of the crop. But the farmer grabbed the servant, beat him up, and sent him back empty-handed. Then the owner then sent another servant, and they insulted him and beat him over the head. Then the next servant he sent was killed, and another he sent either beaten or killed. And then until there, and sorry, until there was only one left, his son, whom he loved dearly. And so the owner finally sent him, thinking, surely they will respect my son. Verse 7, but the tenant farmers said to one another, here comes the heir to the estate. Let's kill him and get the estate for ourselves. So they grabbed him and they murdered him and they threw his body out of the vineyard. Now, is that the narrative of what we've seen in the Old Testament? This is a narrative. Jesus is here. He's addressing them. And we see that the man that planted the vineyard refers to God. And we see the vineyard is referring to the earth, the planet earth. And he leased the vineyard out to tenant farmers. Here's the lease that we're talking about for a period of time. And then he moved to another country where God went back to heaven after he created the heavens and the earth. And uh, it's just amazing if we can understand that Satan saw the sun come and Satan knew that Jesus had come to take the authority of the earth back. And so the kings of this earth, they crucified him, thinking that when they killed God, the earth would be theirs. But they didn't realize that the sun had come as a man in order to be killed for the sins of the earth so he could take back the authority. It's the most amazing love story. And it was a mystery. God told us this was a mystery because if Satan had known what God was going to do all through the ages, he never would have followed the plan. And then if Christ had not died, then we would still be in our sins and the earth would still be being run by demon spirits and we would be slaves of sin and death and the curse. But 2,000 years ago, the sun came. Praise the Lord. Let's have a look at this other lease, this other talking about the lease in, in, in the next chapter in Mark 13. And they were saying to Jesus, the disciples were saying, well, when are you going to come back, Jesus? We were expecting you to be the Messiah. And see, they didn't understand. They knew that he was the Son of God. And even demons knew that he was the Son of God. But when you look at Jesus, he never addressed himself as the Son of God. He's talked about himself being, I am the Son of Man. Because if I'm the Son of God, I don't have authority on the planet. But if I've come in a human body... I'm the son of man. I have authority to operate here under the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the demon spirits, they knew. They said, we know who you are. Have you come to judge us before the time? There's a time limit. We know who you are. You're the son of God. And Jesus replied to them, the son of man. 
I'm operating in that anointing. Come out. And they came out. And so demon spirits know their time is up. <laughs> they know the earthlies is about to change. And we are there to execute on them the judgments that have already been written 2,000 years ago. That's our role right now. And we need to know this stuff so we understand how to operate in the spirit realm and understanding leases and understanding authorities. Praise the Lord. And so have a look here. So, they were, so the disciples were saying to Jesus, when are you coming back? And he says, listen, he said, you just need to watch. He said, you're not going to know the day, the time or the hour. But what you need to do is you need to watch right now and you need to know that you're in charge of the earth and then watch. And so listen to here. We'll pick it up. In fact, that's amazing if you, if you want to read the whole chapter because it's talking about this period of time we're in. It said, Jesus said, this kingdom of God is as a man going to a far country. This is about before he just about goes to the, just about before he goes to the cross. It's about a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. God told Adam at the beginning, watch. He's saying, you need to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know the time or the hour that, your, your, that um, the master of the house is coming. And so we are to watch. He has given us. Jesus has come. He's left, gone back to his place. And he's given us authority now as the church. And we are to operate. We have a work to do. And we are supposed to be watching over the place that God has put us in the earth. And we are to be guarding it, as God had told Adam in the beginning. And so let's have a look at this. Praise the Lord. So as I sort of said, notice if we have a look that God has, has, has multiple times told us as human beings that we are supposed to be watching over the earth, watching over our area. Watch and pray. Stay alert. You see, in the last 40 years, what's the church been doing while despot leadership has come and taken over our nation? And so let's have a look here. We'll, I'll, I'll, I'll unpack this just for a wee moment and then we'll move on. In Genesis um, chapter 128, God said to be fruitful, multiply, um, fill the earth, subdue it. And have dominion. So this is our role. This is who we are. This is what we are supposed to be doing. Dominion. That's the, the word subdue means kabadesh. It means to subdue, bring into subjection, keep under by force. So we've got a despot, demon spirits that are, that are roaming the place right now. And God has said here, you need to subdue them. You need to bring them under subjection. And you need to keep them under by force. Now, they're allowed to be in the planet at the moment because Adam gave the authority of the earth to Satan. And so they actually are allowed to roam the earth because they were allowed in because of Adam's sin. But what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to be right now subduing them as Jesus did and bringing them under subjection to the word of God in the name of Jesus Christ. The word dominion means we are to rule and reign and have dominion, to tread down. Tread them down, put them under your feet. And so again, God repeats this in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Are you getting something out of this? Does this sound a bit serious? <laughs> We've got a nation to redeem and bring back to the Lord. 
And so Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it says here that the Lord placed the man in the Garden of Eden and told him to tend it, which means to care for it, make it productive, increase and multiply, fill the earth. And then he said, watch over it. Now that word watch is the word shamar, and it means to keep watch, to guard, to give heed, and to observe. And that's what we're doing in the spirit. We're just doing that in the natural, and we're doing that in the spirit. And so God, in, in the very beginning, what was God doing? He was, he'd made Adam in, his, in the God class of being. He was the most intelligent being. He named all the animals, remember? He was in the God class. He was filled with life. There was no death in the earth. There was only abundant life as in heaven. And God said to her, Adam, Adam, here's the garden. Now of every, of every tree that you can freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat that tree. You shall not eat of that fruit. For in the day you eat that, you are going to die. And the word die there means in dying, you will surely die. What does that mean? It means in dying spiritually, you are going to end up dying naturally. Death's going to come into the planet. So God had totally warned him that there was one thing he was not allowed to do. And he was needing to obey that because you see a covenant needs to be tested. And so there was a test there. And you'll see Jesus came and he was in that same place. And he was tested 40 days, 40 nights, yet without sin. And he returned in the power of the Spirit and then was ready to take down the demon spirits that were arrayed against him. So here we go. And so what was God saying? When God was saying, I want you to watch, what God was saying to Adam was uh, that there is, a, there is a demon spirit that is roaming the earth's atmosphere. Isaiah says that he has gone after my throne. You read that in Isaiah where Satan says that I will exalt my throne above the earth and I will exalt my throne into the heavens. I will be like the most high God. Satan was after God's throne and God said, and he cast him out into the earth. He cast him out of heaven. And so here's the spirit who wants a throne. He has been dethroned. He's lost his, 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 his leadership and he's going to come after the anointing. He's going to come after the authority. He's going to come after the throne of the earth. God said, Adam... I have made you like myself. I have given you my word. When he comes into the atmosphere, you are to cast him out, tread him down, remove him. I've set a watchtower there. You are to guard and you are to watch. Well, we find out that Satan did not do what he was told to do. And the serpent came into the earth. And the first thing he does, like he always does, is he questions God's word. Has God said has God said you shall eat, not eat of every tree of the garden? And Eve said, well, no, of every tree of the garden we can eat, but for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we can't eat it and we can't touch it. Well, right there she doesn't know the word because God didn't say anything about touching it. He just said, don't eat it. And so Satan comes back at her and says, you shall not surely die. For God knows in the day that you eat it, your eyes will be opened you will be like God and your eyes will be opened to know good and evil. Well, what was he offering them? He was actually offering them evil, the knowledge of evil. They already knew good. And he said, you shall be like God. They were already like God. They were already in the image of God. And so all Satan was offering them was rebellion and he was offering them the knowledge of death. And so they looked, and then they got into the soul 
rather than being led by the Spirit. And they saw that the tree was beautiful to the eyes and one that was going to make them wise. And so they partook. And when they partook, their eyes were opened and they saw exactly as God said, when you take that fruit, you're going to die. What happened? Their eyes were up. They died spiritually. They became born again in reverse. They went from life to death. When you and I get born again, we come from death to life. God takes out the spirit of death and he places a brand new spirit and we become born again. Well, Adam was the first person to be born again, but he went from life, the Zoe life of God, to death. And he came under the authority of Satan. Satan had come into the earth to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus came into the earth to give us life back. And so we see that God comes in the garden and says, what have you done? The woman. It was the woman. It's her fault. And she said, it's a serpent. People pointing at everybody else to take responsibility. The Bible said that she was deceived, but that Adam was not deceived. He knew exactly what he was doing. And he had chosen, God said, I've put before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose which de- what you're going to serve. Well, they chose death over God. Now, what was happening there? Well, now we see God's coming in. God is now on the outside of the whole situation. He'd given the earth to man for release. The man had now opened the door. The hedge was broken. A serpent came in and bit. Now the planet's filled with death and the curse and destruction. And everything began to die from then on. They lived until 900 years at that time. Why? Because the whole earth had been filled with the life of God. And their mind was just still taken up with with life. And then you see over the years that the, the lifespan of man was lessened as they went through. And so what's God going to do? You see, Satan had gained the authority and the um, dominion of the earth. And we see this in the, in, 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 in the letters to the churches. I mean, it says here that Satan, Jesus called him the ruler of the darkness of this age. They said that Satan, it says the whole earth right now lies under the sway of the wicked one. The whole earth lies under the sway of the wicked one. It says that he's the prince of the power of the air. These are all his titles. How did he gain, gain those titles? Adam gave it. He, Adam committed high treason against God. He committed high treason and gave this lease over to God's arch enemy. Now what's God going to do? There's a lease there. God's word is out. And so how was God going to restore creation from the curse, from sin, from death, and from Satan's dominion over people and the planet? And you know, Satan comes after everything that God loves. God says, increase, multiply. What's Satan trying to do? Shut people down from, from, from marriage. Shut people down from having children. He's wanting to destroy businesses when God is the God of abundance. God says, fill the earth. What do they try to do? They're trying to shrink the earth down with people and saying we're overpopulated. No, the earth can handle billions. She can. It's just been mismanaged. There's wrong people in management. And so how was God going to do this? He was on the outside, as it were. He was looking in on this situation. And somebody says, God couldn't just come into the earth and cast the devil out. He didn't have the authority to do that. Why? Because Satan, who had the lease, allowed him in. 
So God couldn't just come in and say, get out, devil. Get off my children. No, God's children had let him in. And because the children had the authority, what's God going to do? God couldn't come into the earth right now and say, I've had enough. He did this with the children of Israel. He said, Moses, Moses, move aside. I can't stand it anymore. They've, they've groaned and moaned against me 10 times. He says, out the way, Moses. I'm just going to kill them all. And Moses said, God, you can't do that because all of the wicked nations around you are going to say that you don't have the power to bring them into the promised land. And the Bible says that Moses consoled God. And then they were groaning again. And Moses said, I've had enough, God. I'm going to remove them. Get them. I don't want to be... I'm, he said, kill them all and, and start a new nation with me. And God says, Moses, just calm down. And so these two were having a, having a situation with people griping and moaning and groaning and complaining. In the end, they both agreed the whole nation died in the wilderness. Because ten times they moaned and groaned and grumbled and spoke against God and said, we're going to die in the wilderness. We're going to die here. We're going to die in the wilderness. And God says, as you've spoken in my ears, so I shall allow it to be done to you. Not one of you will move into the promised land, but your bodies will be will drop in the wilderness and I will make Joshua and Caleb who are men after my own heart who said give me the mountain God we're strong we can do this we've seen the giants in the land but we're going to take them now see here's, a, here's, here's something probably we'll cover it next week but when see Satan came into the earth in fact no I'll, I'll, I'll share that later <laughs> I'll, I'll share that later otherwise I'll get off track here so God couldn't just come into the earth and decide, okay, I've had enough. I'm just going to wipe Adam out and, and I'm going to start and make a new man, create a new man out of the dust of the ground and breathe into them and start all over. God couldn't do that because the ground was cursed. The dirt on the earth was now cursed. And so God, whatever, he, God, whatever was on the earth has now got the nature of death on it. It's dying. It's got the nature of death. So God couldn't just come and wipe Adam and Eve out and start again and create a body because the ground was cursed. And so God couldn't come into the earth and take back the authority because Adam had not only opened the earth to him, but Adam had handed over his authority to Satan. So what's God going to do? He's sovereign. He's supreme in authority. But you see, God has also said, I've sworn by myself. There's no other higher authority than me, Hebrews says. He says, so because God couldn't find a higher authority, he swore by himself. <laughs> and I will not break my word. And so this lease, he swore by himself. He was the higher law. He was the higher authority. And he said, I can't break my law. And so I'm going to find a way to actually get into the earth and... Um, save my man. And so let's have a look here. And um, we've got a few more minutes, so let's just look at this. You see, even though um, Adam had handed over <coughs> the authority of the earth, <coughs> excuse me, I'll just have a drink. Even though Adam had handed over the authority of the earth to God's arch enemy, Lucifer, who was an angel, a created angel, Adam still has authority on the earth. Why? His body gives him authority. His physical body gives him authority on the earth. When you die, I said this last week, when you die and your body dies, you have to leave the earth. 
You either go to heaven or you go to hell. But you can't stay here. And so people thinking that there's familiar spirits and that there's human spirits that are after they're dead, that they're roaming the place. No, they aren't. There's only two places you go. If you're born again, your spirit goes immediately to heaven. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's what the word says. And so for Christians, when you're absent from your body, you are immediately present with the Lord. And so the same is, is if you're not born again, then when you're absent, from, you will then go into another place called hell or whatever you want to call it. And so your body, your birth certificate, gives you legal right to be here. Isn't that amazing? And so even that, even understanding that, that I have authority here. Well, if we drill down on that a bit further and we have a look at that, um, Satan is a spirit being. He doesn't have a physical body. And so he has the authority of the earth, but he doesn't have a physical body to operate on the earth. So he goes and he looks for human beings that he can speak to and empower to operate in the earth. Now, God is the same. God is spirit. He's not made from the dust of the ground. He's a spirit being. And so in order for God to operate in the earth as a spirit being with almighty power, he needs to find a person with a natural body who will open their lives to him and receive his word and speak it into the earth, and it will be so. We provide God the physical body. He provides the authority and the dunamis power. We are co-laborers together with Christ. God needs a body to operate. Satan and demon spirits need bodies to operate because your physical body gives you authority to be here. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? To understand that. And so when God was looking for an answer on how he was going to restore the earth. God couldn't just come in and do what he wanted to do. He had to find men and women through the generations, and he would speak his word. They would put that word in their mouth or they'd write it down. And once a man who had authority in the earth received that word, they could speak it out. There's 400, 350 to 400 prophetic scriptures that describe God becoming a man, coming into the earth and redeeming it back. And when Jesus arrived on the scene, he said, in the volume of the book, it is written of me, I have come to do your will. He said, God, a body you have prepared for me. That's why God, in Ephesians, it says that he left his God powers and he humbled himself and he took on the form of a servant and he humbled himself even further, even to the point of death on the cross. Therefore now God has highly exalted him and given him the name. Corinthians calls him the last Adam. That is why Jesus spoke about himself as the son of man. Because when I'm the son of man, I have authority here. Isn't that amazing? This is a mystery. 
And this is why we haven't seen things unfold on the earth as we want to. Because God is not willing that any perish. But we've got millions of people perishing every day. So God's will is not always coming to pass on the earth. He is looking for his body. He's looking for his children to take this word, to understand the lease, to understand we have physical authority, to understand that Adam was given authority, the first Adam. He turned around and he gave it to Satan who is legally allowed to operate here for this period of time because the lease is 6,000 years, and so he's allowed to be here. But we now, Jesus Christ has come as the last Adam, took on the form of a human body, and then went and was tempted in all points as we are, but without sin, 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. Satan knew he had come for the earth because he said, look, all of these kingdoms... Of the earth. He took him up on a high mountain, you know the story, and he offered him all the kingdoms of this earth. He said, All of these kingdoms I will give to you, Jesus, if you bow down and worship me. Well, where did Satan get them? He got them from Adam. This was a bona fide temptation. Now, Jesus knew he was coming for the authority, Satan knew he was coming for the authority. Satan didn't understand. He thought, oh, Well, let's kill the son, let's kill the son, and all, of, all will be ours. <laughs> amazing story. God, I tell you what, the movie world, amazing. God taking this whole incredible scenario. And so isn't this amazing? What a love story. God patiently working, making a covenant with, with, with Noah. It was so bad in Noah's time. Demon spirits moving and operating through human bodies that they copulated with, this, with the sons of, with the daughters of men. And that's where we got the giants from. And the Bible says in Jude, in the book of Jude, that some of these angelic beings, they've been locked in chains until judgment because they did not keep their first estate. You're not allowed to do that. Demon spirits, horrible demon spirits doing that. And so there was giants in the land. And that's why when you understand that in the Old Testament, when they came in and God says, wipe them all out. Why? Because the seed had been tampered with. Now, why did Satan tamper with the seed? Because God spoke to Satan in the garden and he said, the seed of the woman is going to bruise your head, devil. You'll bruise his ankle, but he'll rise and bruise your head. And so all through the ages, Satan was looking for the seed. That's why he, he, he wiped out the t in the time of Moses because he knew that there was a deliverer that was going to arise. And so he wiped out all the, all the young boys. And so all of the story that you see through the Old Testament. It's amazing. And so the seed of the woman. And so if you think that God was being harsh, wiping out the Philistines, that seed had been messed up, which is what they're trying to do now in our generation. Messing up seed. Messing up the seeds of the ground with GMO. Messing up because God loves a pure seed. The Bible is called the incorruptible seed of God. And so whatever God says is good, Satan's come to tamper with it and destroy it. And so man, you have a right to be here. You have authority simply because of your physical body. You can just start to use your, your authority and get this word inside you and just start to proclaim the work of the Lord, starting with yourself. Start with your own mind and take dominion over your mind and your soul and your emotions and your physical body and your work situation and start to speak blessing and allow this word. Start to exercise rulership and authority and rule in life by one Christ Jesus. 
And so this was the mystery that was hidden in ages past, that God would become a man, have the authority of a man, operate as a man. Do you know, and I'll close with this, and if we could have the worship team up and we're going to do communion. Um, now, what was I going to say? <laughs> Jesus did no miracles, even though he was the son of man and he was also the son of God. He did no miracles and did not operate in the anointing until he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. When he went and did the John, John's baptism and he came up and the power and the Holy Spirit came upon him. And then he started to operate in the anointing. Another thing, when he rose from the dead as the amazing risen saviour, he was still the son of God, the son of man, but he had lost his authority to operate in the earth. He was no longer flesh and blood. He was no longer flesh. He was flesh and bone. And there's not one miracle that he operated in after he rose from the dead. But what did he say? He said, I'm going to heaven and I'm giving all authority. All authority belongs to me in heaven and on earth and under the earth. God's given him a name of things in heaven, things on earth, things under the earth. He says, now I'm giving you my name. Now you operate in that. I'm not operating in it. I've lost my authority too. I'm now flesh and bone, walking through walls, all kinds of stuff. But he never, he never raised anybody. He never healed anybody on those 40, 50 days where he, he was on the earth before he went to heaven because he didn't, no longer had the authority. He gave it to his body. I'm the head, you're the body. Thanks for watching Victory Christian Center. For more content, please subscribe to our YouTube channel or you can subscribe to our podcasts on Spotify, iTunes or Google Podcasts. Check out our website at victory.net.nz. We'll see you again soon.